Welcome to Making Action Happen with Sarah Blackhurst and Brian McCain. We're here to discuss public policy issues in our home state of Colorado and beyond. Making Action Happen is presented by Action 22. Find out about our organization at action22.org. Now, here are your hosts, Sarah Blackhurst and Brian McCain. Hello, and welcome to Making Action Happen. I'm your host, Brian McCain. Uh, Sarah is not with us today. She is out preparing for our annual meeting coming up October 5th and 6th in Colorado Springs. If you want more information, make sure to go to our website, action22.org, but it's going to be awesome. We're doing it as an annual meeting and expo, so it's really a chance for our Action 22 members to be in an area and show off what they're doing. Um, so with that being said, as you know, uh, the veterans... I guess the veterans field uh, in Southern Colorado, that's kind of my thing. And I've been working on it forever. And, you know, traditionally on September 11th, the week of, I like to bring in a veteran who's doing good things for the veteran community. And today is no exception. So today I have Tommy Ferguson. He's in. I've known him for a few years now. <laughs> yeah. um, we, we attend the Pueblo Chamber Military Affairs meeting every second Friday of the month. And right. I think I've been doing it for... Gosh, 18 years now I've been going. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah. There were, there were some gaps when I was traveling a lot or working in D.C., but um, right. I, I counted it the other day because we went to the legislative barbecue, and that's about the same time I started going to the military affairs meeting, and that was my 18th legislative barbecue, which means I'm getting old, which that's why I like all this gray in my beard. and so All uh, that wisdom. No, no, I don't know about that. I want to call it wisdom, but <laughs> maybe frustration sometimes, especially, like, you know, again, working with the veterans community, it's a very unique group of individuals and you really have to understand it to work in it. And I think, you know, sometimes people get frustrated and I get frustrated at times because we're, we're very territorial and we have a lot of pride in what we do. And sometimes we don't like other groups taking that pride so it's a friendly competition i wouldn't say it's a negative thing at all but it is a friendly competition but anyway uh tommy he is known as the one-armed skydiver and i wanted to bring him on because you're doing some really great things for not only the veterans community but just the community in general with what you do with clasp life um vo2 that type of thing. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Introduce yourself. Who are you? Where are you from? What do you do? Well, um, my name is Tommy Ferguson. And uh, actually, right now, I run my nonprofit, which is Class Life. And uh, the nonprofit is uh, helping people keep their passion and independence. Mm -hmm. And what we do is we help people find resources to better their quality of life due to incident, accident, tragedy, or just natural event in general. So we help them find those resources. So if you're dealing with PTSD, suicide, or whatever, you contact us and we can... Uh, put you in the direction of some type of resource because I have a really large network of stuff, and that's what I do currently. Uh, also, I'm the president of the VO2, which is Veterans Overcoming Obstacles, and basically what we're doing there is helping people that are, you know, find something to do who might be like uh, having to do recovery from maybe some type of addiction of some type of drug or whatever, and we help them find things, PTSD, we deal with suicide. So it kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with the class life as well because I deal with a lot of uh, things that has to do with suicide. And, and like I say, a lot of them are the veterans that are out there who I speak with all the time. And yeah. we want to do good things for them and part of the community, part of the Military Affairs Committee, um, off and on probably since 2009, I guess, as far as that goes. And I enjoy that and speaking with the different people that are there, like yourself and uh, many other veterans that are doing things. 
And like I say, um, I want great things for Pueblo to happen, and I want great things for actually for everybody, but for Southern Colorado as well. Yeah, I, I always look at it that Pueblo is the hub of Southern Colorado, and Pueblo needs to succeed for the region to succeed. So people ask, you know, why is Action 22 based out of Pueblo? Because we cover El Paso County. Right. Um, you know, some of the larger areas like Trinidad, the Valley, that, you know, areas like that. I'm like, well, really it's Pueblo. Pueblo's kind of the center of it. And we have a symbiotic relationship in the communities around us together. So we really need to bring Pueblo up, make sure Pueblo's doing good to ensure that our communities surrounding us in Southern Colorado are doing good. And, and that, again, goes hand in hand with the veterans work. Um, I've said many times on this show, that the rural veterans of Southern Colorado, they have it pretty bad when it comes to access to care, access to transportation, benefits, things like that. And we are seeing, and I very much appreciate it, you know, the VA is doing a great job uh, reaching out. Um, You know, Director Kilmer has been on the show. He was the first VA director to actually go out and have monthly town hall meetings in all the counties to to get the concerns. We have groups like Mount Carmel's expanding into Trinidad, Custer County, the Valley and Monta Vista, stuff like that. And we're seeing a lot of nonprofits come down, too, as well as private public-private partnerships like with um, UC Health with their suicide prevention services. So so some really good things are happening, but it, it starts here in Pueblo, and then it spreads out. And, um, you know, your message, I think, and with VO2, Veterans Overcoming Obstacles, we did have Chris Carter on about, say, about six or seven months ago. So he right. came in and kind of gave his backstory. I think it got a little dark at times, you know, um, and, but it, it was great just to hear how he got to where he's at and he's, he's kicking butt right now too, especially in the, the addiction field and helping those addicted. And you're very close to him. We did the weightlifting competition mm-hmm. together. That was the deal. He, he came on the show and then I had to go to his competition and then I threw my back out like the next week. And he's like, you gonna go to the next one. I'm like, I don't think I can right now. Um, but you know, tell us a little bit about CLASP Life, because I know it's not just veteran-focused, but I was trying to explain it to my wife today. She asked who I had on, and I was like, you know, he basically gets out there and people that are, for like a lack of a better term, that are in a very rough spot, you show them that it doesn't have to be that way, and they could live their life to the fullest. Correct. And and basically, and a lot of it is the awareness of the fact that I am the one-armed skydiver. Mm-hmm. I literally have, a, of course, of my video, I was wearing a GoPro at the time. Mm-hmm. So it's actually recorded. You can actually go watch it on YouTube. I'll and, post uh, the link down below. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it uh, actually has almost 3.8 million views on it. I'm actually noted all over the United States. I've actually been on 18 different TV shows and uh, talk shows and stuff like that. So I'm known all over the place. I mean... Germany's did one, Taiwan's did one, Japan's done one, Um, UK's flown over and different different things like that. And basically, the biggest message basically to me is, no matter what happens to you, you know, there's just adapt, improvise, and overcome, you know. Mm -hmm. And I always tell people, don't allow the, you know, incident, accident, tragedy, or life event to define you. You know, it's what you do thereafter, which is what defines you. And that's what I always, my message more that is, and that's what kind of what clasp life is. Because there's always somebody out there that you can be pointed to that can help you along, say, you know, you're dealing with, you know, um, PTSD is a big thing. Mm-hmm. I do have a, a son who's got PTSD. He was diagnosed with it. He was in uh, Iraq. He was actually in Iraq and Afghanistan. So he spent three tours over there, one in Afghanistan and two in Iraq and stuff. So, like, so a 
and he's also one of my board members. So Clasp Life tries to reach out to veterans, and actually we reach out to just about everyone. Yeah. So you can actually go on the website to ClaspLife.org and go to the resources page, and you can find lots of resources for all kinds of different things. It's for veterans. It's for basically anyone that needs help. And if you have to, you contact us. Um, like I say, I do speaking engagements uh, mm-hmm. quite often for different things. And uh, and a lot of people are like, well, how much money? I said, you know what? I'll do it for whatever it takes. I mean, it, even yeah. if it's free, I don't care as long as I can help someone you yeah. know, to get them out of that. But main thing is me is just I don't let things get me down, you know, and it's always people are always like, what makes you tick? And I said, I do have a lot of faith in God, so I have a lot mm-hmm. of faith. And I said, uh, I just do whatever the Lord says. It's just it's kind of like with my accident, I say that, because when I had my accident and I hit that trailer, which I hit at about 45 miles per hour. Yeah, I finally watched the video <laughs> yesterday, and I was like, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> kind of cringe. Yeah. I watch it in like a third party anyway, because I'm yeah. like, I don't remember all of that, but I was telling everybody what to do. But anyway, it's like... <laughs> When I hit that trailer, the last thing I was remember, I was like, I don't want to hit this. And, uh, and of course, I got fixated is what they kind of call it. But anyway, all I seen was darkness. But it was peaceful. It was peaceful darkness. It was so beautiful. It was so serene. It was quiet. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is is gorgeous here. But at the same time, I was like, where's all that bright light that's supposed to be shining? (laughs) I didn't see no bright light. I thought, oh, my gosh. (laughs) But then I didn't see any fire either. I I said, oh, I I must be okay. (laughs) So uh, that's how I kind of view things. And it's like uh, even when I was in the hospital after my accident, I was laying there. And I was like, I had three arms. So I had my arm that was just hanging off of me that was just laying there. And I had my arm that I could move, which was my right arm. And then my left arm was And then I had this third arm which a lot of people don't understand what phantom pain is and stuff mm-hmm. like I do now. So I had three arms. I'm like, okay, I've got this arm here, but I mean, I could literally take my fingers on my left arm and just bend them plumb back. They just, oh, man. because I had a brachial plexus injury. So it actually avulsion, which means it just yanked the nerves out of my spinal cord. So when it yanked them out, my left arm was just useless. It just hangs off of yeah. me. So that's when I finally did a talk to my doctor and talk to several different surgeons. They said, you, I said, man, can I just cut this thing off? It's just hanging off. It's just like dead weight on me. Yeah. And they used to duct tape my arm to my body when I would skydive because I was the first. So, okay, so let, let's back up right there, okay, <laughs> okay. first stop. So, and I also want to get into the veteran side, but this is, this is the most interesting. So I watched the video. So you're coming in, mm-hmm. and there's a trailer there, and you hit the trailer. Correct. And then that's what your arm got wrapped up in it or hit it and yanked it out, basically. Right. And and then, okay, so you're in the hospital, and then you, you get out, and then you're still skydiving after that. Correct. And they're duct taping your useless arm <laughs> to your body while you're skydiving. Correct. Yeah. So how soon did you go back to skydiving after the accident? Eight weeks. Eight weeks? Eight weeks later, I was back up in the sky. And I had wow. no clue what I was doing because <laughs> there was no other skydiver in the world that had only one. Yeah, skydiver. So I was it. Was it was it hard to jump out that like uh, that? Like was it nervous or was it something that you just you had to do it? No, like, I wasn't nervous or anything because a lot of people ask me that. I just yeah. was like I want to get back to skydiving. That was my passion. That's what I enjoyed. You got to realize, even though that particular injury, I actually had. Eight broken bones. I had all kinds of stuff messed up in yeah. my left hand side. But no, I was just like, I gotta, I gotta go out there. I gotta jump out and I gotta figure this out in the sky. 
which is not really a good place to figure it out. Yeah, that's <laughs> but that's where I wanted to figure it out. Yeah, but there's so, nobody else that does it, so you no, could like call. Yeah, out I couldn't watch else. a video because yeah. people that had jumped with one arm because they have a prosthetic arm. Yeah, so they had an arm that they could use to steer. Yeah, and I didn't, so I didn't know really what was going to happen. So, oh man, I just jumped out. Thought, well, I'll figure it out on the way to the ground. God willing. <laughs> so uh, that's what I did, and I just. Yeah, I just was trying to fly in. I was like, oh, this ain't working. So I said, I'm going to hit that ground pretty hard. And all the veterans know it. I, I PLF'd mm-hmm. because I knew it was going to hit pretty hard. But yeah. I hit, I rolled, I stood up. I thought, oh, that's really cool. I had a blast. I was smiling. I was happy. I didn't hit my target like I normally would. Normally I hit right dead center, but I was kind of far away. And actually the two guys that were supposed to be watching me do this, they actually weren't even watching. They didn't even see me come out of the plane. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I landed about 200 yards away from where I wanted to, but it was no big deal because I just, I just rolled. Because I had, at that time, I had 343 skydives before the accident. Yeah. And uh, so I did know how to skydive. I just had never done it with one arm. But I did find out that a lot of stuff we used to teach our two students about skydiving with one arm in case you got a dislocation or whatever. Yeah. That's a bunch of bull crap. It, it doesn't work. It, it doesn't, doesn't work, work like all. that. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. So um, I figured out how I could come in and land the best I could. So I, I just what we call half braked it to slow it down. Mm-hmm. I couldn't full brake uh, so I could flare and slow the canopy down. So I just did a PLF, parachute landing fall, because that's what I did in yeah. the military a lot of. Not that I ever skydived in the military, but we did a lot of. I did a lot of stuff in the military just for jumping off a stump and you know how to roll. Yeah, yeah. Fall off your horse, learn how to roll, fall, whatever, fall yeah. off a bike, learn how to roll so that you're not sticking out. So that's that's kind of what I did. So that was my mindset. Even when I was in the service, they said, you were always the same way in the service. You're the first one to jump off of anything. It didn't matter. Yeah. You're you're doing land navigation. We got obstacle courses, and it's like you're doing the 60-foot slide for last year. Like, oh, I'll, I'll be first. <laughs> Even though you don't know what you're doing, just, yeah. I, I'll figure it out before I hit the water. So that's kind of what I did. And that, that was actually at Fort Bragg. So. I had a lot of fun in the military. Actually, when I was in the service, I was in there from uh, 79 to uh, 85, and my AFSC was actually uh, security police, but I did all kinds of stuff in the service. But I got to compete in the service, and yeah. I did volant rodeo. Um, I did peacekeeper challenge. I did giant sword, so I did a lot of stuff in the service. I was always competing, and it was always like, biggest thing I can say is the thing is, for some reason, I'm wired to where if something happens to me, I just find a way to to still continue on, just find a different way to do it, maybe, or something yeah. like that. Yeah, like I said, adapt, improvise, and overcome. Exactly, and that's, and that's just what I live by. I mean, I just always have, and so uh, I enjoy what I do. I like to say I enjoy doing clasp life. I enjoy working out at the gym. I like to say Chris, he kind of roped me into it. And yeah, he does that. <laughs> that's what he, he does. does that. So yeah. he's like one day he's sitting beside me go, hey, Tommy, you look like you want to like run the Tough Mudder. And I was like, no. okay, I don't know what it is, <laughs> what you, I don't know what it is but I'll do. he goes, yeah. you, you seem like you'll do anything. And I was like, okay, yeah, let's do this. And he goes, I said, when is it? And he goes, well, it's like four weeks away. And I said, well, how long is it? And he's like, I don't know, it's like it's a, it's a 15K, it's got like 30 obstacles. And he goes, everything. I said, okay, well, I'll go do that. I said, <laughs> I hadn't worked out for like forever. And I said, yeah. sure, I'll try that. So that's how I got with Chris and got to know him really well because when I showed up there, I really have to admit there one lady that she's an instructor there. Her name is Annie, and Annie was the first one I was jogging with, and she's like, I'm like, she goes, what are you, what are you doing here? Why'd you join the gym and stuff? And I said, Well, I talked with Chris, and he said I should join the gym and run the Tough Mudder. And she goes, Are you serious? And I said, Well, yeah. <laughs> she goes, You do realize that's not like but four weeks away. 
and it's like nine miles and something. And I was like, okay, yeah. <laughs> and she goes, I can't believe you're going to do it. And she goes, that quick, and you're going to just do it in four weeks, and you're going to get ready. I said, well, I guess so. That's what Chris says. <laughs> That's what I did. So, Yeah, he sits in the, the meeting, and he'll he'll talk about, like, we got a challenge coming up or, a, you know, a tough mutter, <laughs> and we need somebody to represent the group, and he always looks at me. And when he does that, if he doesn't leave first, I just avoid him and go around because <laughs> I know he'll, he'll get me. And, I'll, and yeah. you can't say no. I mean, the, the first time I met him, he was doing an event at CSU Pueblo. Um, I think it was the – Murph challenge, like the, oh, yeah. the rug. Mm-hmm. And right. it was just around the, the track. And, you know, I show up representing a congressman's office and mm-hmm. I have a letter and, you know, something to give them. Right. I'm like in a suit and tie and an, <laughs> uh, I think it's like a pea coat, overcoat, you know. He's like, oh, you got to get down and do push ups. And I'm like looking around and everybody's <laughs> like, who is this? a-hole in the suit and tie doing push-ups, <laughs> doing with push-ups us. yeah so I, I know I, I know that about chris he'll rope you in and you can't say no yeah, but it's for a good cause so always okay. good cause and like I say we're going to dallas for the world's toughest yeah so how many um, miles is get, that one we're going to try to do 50 miles five zero 50 yeah 50 miles and it's uh within a 24-hour period so what it is so it's a basically what you're doing is you're running a a 15K, which is basically like nine point something miles, almost 10 miles, and 30 obstacles, and you just keep running as many times as Holy you possibly cow. can. So that's kind of what I'm training for now, the best I can with, wow. the, uh, with the guys. And like I say, it's going to be fun. I always have fun with whatever I do. And um, like I say, a lot, of a, a lot of things that I do is all because of my military training. Yeah. And like I say, I was in from 79 to 85, and like I said, I competed all over the place, and I trained all over the place, and I got to, you know I got a paycheck to do what I enjoy doing. Which yep. you know I got paid to play basketball, played to run track, play. It's like really nice. And of course, um, actually, I was a cop, and I was on the SWAT team. I did all kinds of stuff like that in the service. And of course, I got a lot of TDYs to actually at that time as Noriega was the big issue yeah. in, in the South, and it was like. Uh, we did a lot of TDYs down there, um, different things that we did with the uh, – oh, the military had a lot of things because basically what we were doing was like support for the Army and stuff yeah, like that, yeah. and they were down there. So we'd do TDYs down there and stuff. So I didn't see a lot of the combat stuff as far as that goes, just flying in and out of there sometimes, and that's that's kind of like what I did with that. But like I say, most of the time I competed, the SWAT team learning that. I was a small arm range instructor um, I did some law enforcement stuff. Mostly, like I say, we did stuff with uh, nuclear weapons because I guarded the B-52 bombers. Yeah, I guarded one of the first B-1 bombers that came in. Um, so that's kind of like the military stuff. But the same thing, it's like a lot of things that I learned in the military because we trained a lot with the yeah. with the Army. We did, I mean, we did a lot of stuff with the Army. That, we were always training with them. That was the, that's what I did too because I I went in security forces okay. which is the same thing but I was stationed with the army and the uh-huh. marines the whole time so oh, okay. a lot of my training was with the in the beginning with the army and then later on like deploying with the marines and doing that stuff and doing oh. the bear base defense and mm-hmm. all that fun <laughs> not so fun stuff yeah well it was always fun to me though I, yeah. I always, always always enjoyed training especially with the army because we were trained for combat for a lot of our competitions yeah. and the combat instructor that we had that taught us everything was actually major walsh and he had actually got commissioned while he was in vietnam to become an officer and the man was just amazing and he spent three tours in vietnam and so he trained us for combat and of course when we went into combat, since we were Air Force, but we would go and compete in the competitions, but we were trained like Army. Yeah. So we just wax everybody because 
they didn't know anything. I, I'll be honest with you, Air Force didn't understand all the, you know, bound around and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so we, yeah. we were trained for all that stuff. And he was really good. And, and he was a philosopher. And, and he was also very much a Christian man. Mm-hmm. And he would use things like the battles in the Bible and stuff like that and teach us and stuff. Because he thought I was pretty rowdy. So he used to come. He goes, <laughs> he goes, you need to be a civilized warrior, Tommy. He said, you're a warrior. You want to do everything yourself. And you're fast and you're quick. But he goes... You need to be civilized as well. You got to realize there's other people out there too that you can utilize and stuff like that. So I was always the point man. I was always the fastest guy that run around like a chicken with his head cut off. That's who I was to try to get people to fire at me so we could take them out. And uh, that's what I did when I was in the service. Like they did a lot of different training, but I used that. And the same thing as my applying it after I had my skydiving accident was the fact you don't get down. You just find a different way to do it. I mean, literally, while I was in the hospital three days after my accident, when I finally was well enough to where I can even do things because they had me on so many different drugs and they weren't understanding what phantom pain was. And uh, I was like, okay, well, you know, I'm just going to find a different way to do it. And I was thinking about this. Okay, say, I don't have this arm that doesn't work. And so literally we had they had some so, social service women come in for me to talk to me and it was really weird because i'm laying in the bed and i have two of my friends there with me and they come in and they talk like they they, they go mr ferguson <laughs> you're probably going to lose the use of your left arm have you given it in any thought about how you're going to do things that's how they talk like yeah like oh my gosh i mean and I'm like, well, shoot, shall I have? I said, instead of skydiving with two arms, I'm going to skydive with just one arm. That's what I'm going to do. And they're like, <laughs> what? And I said, that's what I'm going to do. I said, I'm already starting to figure this out in my head, trying to figure out how I'm going to skydive with one arm. Because at that time, I just knew that arm was not coming back. I just yeah. I just knew that. And, of course, it doesn't help when you have a doctor that looks at you and he looks in the door and he's like, Man, that guy's messed up. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah. ain't going to do a squat for me. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, they're just like, but, but that'll be $250. That's how much it's going to have yeah. to pay for my, me telling you that you're really messed up. But that's just how I've seen it. They just stood up and they looked at me and goes, well, you have a totally different attitude. Because they, they, and I deal with that with class life. I do with that. I talk with the veterans sometimes who've had a limb loss or something yeah. like that. And they are. They're down. They're, they're they're down on different things. They're down on God. They're down on life. They're thinking, oh, my gosh, I can't never do anything again in my life. And that's just not how I see things. I'm just already starting to think, okay, how can I do this a different way? Yeah. And uh, so they just like, well, okay, I guess we'll, <laughs> we'll go down. They just left. Just walked <laughs> just out. Over. I was like, well, that was a quick, quick little episode. But uh, that's what we do. Like I say, I do go to the hospital. I am a certified peer visitor mm-hmm. with the Amputee Coalition. So I deal with the... Uh, veterans i deal with a lot of people who have had limb loss uh, a lot of it's diabetes and stuff like that but um i get to meet amazing people and some amazing veterans too that's happened to them i mean there's uh one of the veterans up in del norte and his ex-wife hired a guy to shoot him because um, she wants his property and stuff like that so he got shot and they thought he was going to lose his arm they contacted me and said hey would you like to talk with this veteran and what he was talking about was the fact that he might lose his arm completely because it took out his uh, scapula and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So you meet amazing people, and uh, you know that's why they had me contact and say, "Hey, you can do these things and stuff like that." But the VA at that time were going through all the COVID stuff, yeah, and they didn't get to him in time to where they could have probably saved even more of his nerves. Man. And so it was tough dealing with him, but he still has 
range of motion a little bit in his left arm, and he's like, what do you think? Should I have it after you do it? I said, man, if you can save your arm, any any part of your arm, it, it's it's a value because I have nothing. Yeah. My, yeah. There's nothing there, so there's nothing like they could do. I mean, this just flops around. So anyway, he was really adamant about that, and sure enough, they did – Save some of it, but had they done the surgery prior, it would have saved. It would have probably saved his arm completely because you know, but the COVID stuff hit, and six months later, before they finally seen him, well, a lot of your nerves have already yeah went away. They're they're, they're actually just they die off, and the things they do is they actually take and take nerves from other parts of your body, and they'll put them in there and try to make you have some type of movement or range of motion and stuff like that. So. I get to meet different people like that, and like I say, a lot of them are veterans, and they contact me and say, hey, Tommy, this is what's happened to me, or I talk with them because they're really down on what life is, but they don't realize life has still a lot to offer. Don't yeah. don't never give I, I just don't give up. And there's lots of people out there, even as myself, I see some people, I'm like, you know, I'm missing my left arm, but then I meet somebody that's a quadriplegic that don't have – any of their limbs yeah. and all the stuff they do. And you're like, well, what am I whining about? I mean, these guys are doing all kinds of amazing things. And that's, that's kind of how I look at life. It's like, you just find a different way to do it, you know, yeah. adapt, yeah. improvise, overcome and stuff like that. And of course, a lot of people want to hear about my skydiving as well. It's like how I continue on, because like I say, at this present, I have a thousand fifty seven jobs. Wow. So, um, I've had a lot of things happen to me. Unfortunately, I also had a, that was my first skydiving accident. Oh, I actually gosh. had a second skydiving accident. <laughs> and you keep asking me to go every. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just showing you what not to do. There's, yeah, there's there things way to do things, and so uh, yeah, my second skydiving accident. I, it was almost eight years to the day. I mean, to the day wow. of my previous one, and that time I, I broke twelve bones. Um, yeah, I shattered my femur, and now I've got a rod put in there, and they bolted me back together. Oh, so you set <laughs> off the fans. alarm when you go through the airport Well, security. I don't because if you walk a certain way, you don't really okay. set it off. It's, they say if you don't stay too close. But then I I also uh, had a hole put in my heart. I damaged oh, one wow. of my kidneys. And then after they did the surgery, I had a stroke. So at my stroke, I went blind, and I had to le- learn how to walk, talk, we had to learn how to do everything again, relearn everything. And at that point, it was uh, from that particular accident, it was six months before I got back up in the sky and started skydiving again. Wow. And it was really funny because the uh, person that owns it, Skip Moreau, owns High Sky Adventures, and he's also a veteran. He's also yeah. a Purple Heart recipient. Skip and that, that's the place if you're going towards Canyon City. Correct. That's on the, yeah. He's a veteran, and he's always had faith in me and he's like well tommy whenever you want to go to the top you know we'll take you back up if you want to skydive and he goes but you really need to get some training first and i said well just who's going to train me skip um <laughs> is there somebody else they got no arm or something <laughs> he goes hey, point well taken but anyway he he's a great guy is you know he is in vietnam and a lot of things happened to him as well but me and him have always hit it off and because we're a lot alike because he's the same way you never stop even though yeah. things happen to you and it's it's great having other veteran other veterans around that's you know helping you out and 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 they they believe in you yeah you know and that's a big thing because a lot of times it's the camaraderie that veterans have that you don't see with civilians i mean yes sometimes it's like you feel like they're like saying it because they feel like they have to whereas a veteran understands because he's been there he's dealt with a lot of different things and uh, like i say i enjoy skydive it is my passion um, just like class life is, that's why we have that in there. You know, 
helping people keep their passion and independence. And independence being that find a different way to do it so that you're still you can still be out there. And that's a lot of my mode that I deal with because I do deal with a lot of nonprofits. I deal with like uh, no barriers, paradox sports. Um, adaptive adventures so like i say i do have a large network of people who i can help you know guide people to to where they can find it hey you know we can get you a trike or some type of way for you can get yeah. back around or you can get back out and be with your family and stuff like that so in that aspect it's nice and i always think that a lot of things happen to me because the number one thing with dealing with people is if you haven't experienced it you really can't talk to people about it and be, you know, what I mean, sincere about it. Yeah. And that's a, that's a big thing when you're talking with someone. It's like even like I talk with a lot of people who have had strokes, um, whether they're civilian or, or they have prior military or veterans or stuff like that. Is it, you know, you just got to continue on, just find a way to get through it and work. And, you, and it takes work. And that's the other aspect is. It's not going to just make you better by sitting doing nothing. You got to get yeah. up and do something. And it's just like when I do, did with stuff with the VO2 veterans overcoming obstacles. Then I go out to the gym and started doing the training for the Tough Mudder. We did that. And then just, just recently, back in July, we did what we call the Infinity Tough Mudder. So we ran 18.6 miles. Just, and it, just a little one. <laughs> just a little just bit. Just a small one to yeah. get us ready for the big one. But Holy cow. It just, just never stop. Just continue on with life. Enjoy life. Um, build people around you that are positive. Yeah. Um, that's something that is tough to do. That's that's. It seems, and not just in the veteran community, but everybody has their little, I, I call it a subculture, clique or group of friends. You know, it is, especially today, it seems to be hard. And I have teenagers. Oh, yeah. So, so if anybody has teenagers out there, you'll know what I'm talking about. It is almost impossible to surround yourself with positive people these days, it seems like. And it, and they get is. trapped in it. Yeah, and they do because this, it's a, such a negative feedback that's yeah. coming from the world itself. And especially say, well, you need to quit watching that. You need to start looking and get around positive people. I will say, with me, I always think, Everybody should just get up and keep going. There's not, yeah. and that's and it's one of the hardest things I probably had to deal with was to go into a room and deal with someone that's had limb loss or had a stroke or whatever, and how they have such a negative attitude all of a sudden on life. Like there's there's not going to be able to do anything anymore. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, you got to get out and start to keep moving and, and find things that will you can enjoy. And I mean, I have some people that you know have had strokes and stuff, and and some of them are veterans, and it's like. You know, you can find other passions. You may not be a skydiver like myself. I said, a lot of them say they live through me. They're like, oh, it takes me back when I was in the service, when mm-hmm. I was in the paratrooper and stuff like that, watching you skydive. Yeah. So in that asp- aspect, it's really nice to be inspiring to them. And they're like, you're the only reason I get up every morning, hoping you've got another video or something like that. But I do have over 100 and something videos. And mm-hmm. some of them are really great, but some of them are my underwear. So it's <laughs> <laughs> It's a, it's a thing in a in skydiving yeah. community. You have an undie two hundie. Yeah. So when you hit two hundred jumps, everybody wants to jump in their underwear. So just so just so you know, you might just come be warned. Just warning. If you're searching for these at work or yeah. school. Like, but they're actually they're not too bad. Yeah. Everybody's you know covered. But I I, I skydive in my uh, gorilla suit that I have. I've also jumped in with a, a bunny suit at the. Uh, PCC, which is a Pueblo Christian Center. I skydive there. I do a lot of demos and stuff like that as well. 
And sometimes it's uh, it's like I was telling uh, the people at VO2 that I don't know. It's sometimes when you see someone who is actually missing a limb or missing something or they're doing things, it gives the people uh, something they can see. Because a lot of the veterans I deal with, especially with PTSD and dealing with other things like that, you really can't see what's really bothering them or affecting them. And there's a lot of things going on inside. So in my aspect, it's like we always tell you, it's a double whammy. So we're dealing with the mental aspect of it and also the physical aspect of it. And so people can see that, hey, you know, you continue on and, and... I like I say I do it because I enjoy it. I enjoy skydiving. I still skydive. I get into the tough mutters now and weightlifting and all the kind con- like the one that you mm-hmm. you were in. And I just enjoy living life. The thing is, don't give up on life. And sometimes I tell people, you know, some people just need a chess set. They just want to play chess. That's God. Yeah. At least you're doing yeah. something. You're not just yeah. wasting away. And like I say I'd rather get people out. And I mean, I love to climb the incline. I do that quite often and just getting people out and doing things. Yeah. Because if you sit and do nothing, you start wasting away. You really do. Your mind starts wasting away. And, uh, and like I say, I've met so many veterans that are out there still doing things. Even ones that have had things happen to them. It's, uh, I I talk about that because I do skydiving. And one time they had this veteran out there and, uh, he was like 50-something years. I want to say he's like 55, and part of his arm was missing, but he could still functionally use his arm. And we're, I was talking to him about it. I said, so I said, do you have any uh, phantom pain or anything like that from missing, you know, part of your arm? And he goes, well, I didn't until you mentioned it. <laughs> I thought, oh, man, because <laughs> I know sure. how that works. Yeah, <laughs> when yeah. you start talking about it, your brain starts, yeah, like, oh, oh my gosh, yeah. this is what's going on. But anyway... You know, he did really well, and it's nice to see, you know, veterans. And like I say, Skip Moreau out at the High Sky Adventures, he always gives veterans a discount because they are veterans and stuff like that because he's very supportive of veterans. So I do a lot of different things, um, and I just continue on. And I just don't want people to stop living their life because something has happened to them. Or sometimes it's just putting people in someone else's path, and I think uh, I always tell people that God does that. He puts people in your path. They can help you and, and make you realize that, hey, you know what? Um, I can do this. I can find a different way to do it. Or I can find something else that maybe I want to do that I used to do or, you know, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, like I say, not everybody's going to be skydivers. I mean, yeah. we're kind of a rare breed anyway. But um, I suggest everybody at least try it once. Yeah, I do at too. Least, at least once. You try it. Uh, I skydived by myself, and that's kind of what we teach out there. I the jump master and an instructor out there, and you jump by yourself like the military, but you're so thirty five hundred feet up. Is so. it a um, static line jump? Static line. Okay. Yes. You're attached to the aircraft, so when you leave, it's going to open the parachute for you. Okay. And then we teach you in class about a three to four hour class, depending on how many people are in it, of what you need to do as far as emergency procedures. In order to, if something for some reason your parachute didn't open up, yeah, how to cut away and go to your, you know, your other canopy, which uh, a cutaway. I've had ten of them, ten different cutaways. We just go to the other next parachute and yeah. just fly it in. And some of it was because I, I don't know why they want me to be the experimental person since I only have one <laughs> arm. But it's like, oh, let's try something different. We'll put it on Tommy. He'll jump anything. <laughs> like, yeah, so like- I, I just do that, but. 
Um, you learn all the procedures, and because we talk you in on radio, so if somebody's on the ground talking you and telling you left turn, right turn, and when to flare, flaring means to mm-hmm. the canopy, the back of the canopy comes down, slows you down for landing, so that you land a lot softer. Hopefully, you land on your feet, but if not, so what? Slide in. I yeah. I slide in quite often. Uh, a lot of times, the tandem people, which tandem meaning you're attached to someone, we call that a meat load. You're attached to someone, <laughs> and you're just you're along just, for the ride. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so. Uh, that's that's one of the different things, and I can say Skip's really good about that. And I meet lots of different veterans. I've done a lot of stuff with Amputee, you know, Coalition. We do stuff with that, and they're always contacting me to help people out for as like a peer visitor and stuff like that. And then also we deal with uh, No Barriers does a lot of stuff with the military. Paradox Sports does a lot yeah. of stuff. Adaptive Adventures, and so I know a lot of the different people, and they have things that. Not everybody has, and they have a lot of things out there that they, you know, can get that I can't get. You know, mm-hmm. like we had um, um, this one gentleman contacted me, and he said, uh, "Tommy, this guy, he's a veteran. He wants a he wants an incumbent bike, and he had got messed up in uh, the uh, the uh, Iraqi war, so he got messed up, and he needed something up so he could do stuff with his family, mm-hmm. and that's just what he wanted to do. And he said, I want to be able to." you know, go up mountains and stuff like that. And, of course, he got messed up with as far as his, his legs and stuff. So, But we, uh, I just contacted the uh, Adaptive Adventures, and that's kind of what they do is help yeah. veterans get these bikes that they can do stuff. So ended up getting a bike. So it worked out great for him. Good. And like I say, that's all we kind of like do through uh, Adaptive, you know, Adaptive through Adaptive Adventures. Paradox Sports do is more for like they do a lot of ice climbing, Mm-hmm. and rock climbing and stuff like that. And they're always doing stuff with the veterans to help them out, to get them out doing things. And that's kind of me. And it's like, like you say, you, you go into military affairs and I watch and most everything that they're talking about, they're not getting people out. It's like, yeah. what are we going to do with people? Are, you know, we can get them food and we can get them clothing and we can get them the different things they might need. But it's like, you still want to live life. You need to go out and do things. Yeah. And there was a, um, I think it was Darius that said it at the last one, you know, he said, you know, we're, we're really talking about people's mind and their body, and we're not talking about their spiritual life or their their soul, basically. And mm-hmm. and, and um, he does come from the religious side of it, but right. but I I really liked what he said that yeah we are focused on mental health, physical health, obviously, but it's the the soul or your spirit that really needs to be touched, saved, motivated. You know that's because that's who you are. You know, and it's hope. Yeah. Um, hope, if you lose hope, that's when you dwindle well. Same side why we have a lot of suicide. You understand, my former wife actually committed suicide. She died in my arms, and I had five kids at the time. And it's like, but they lose hope on what they have, and a lot of it has to do when you lose that hope, that's a lot of the reason you do it. And it's like another one of my Vietnam veterans, he used to come to our, you know, Thanksgiving, stuff like that. He was 67. He ended up committed suicide. He shot himself, and uh, he's in my book, actually. He helped me have my arm uh, amputated and stuff like that. He got the ball rolling and stuff like that. But a lot of people said, well, but don't you feel horrible for what he did or whatever? And I said, you know what? I knew what, how much pain he was going through and yeah. stuff like that. And I said, he he was a Navy SEAL. He, his name, he, David Stevenson was his name. And he uh, he got messed up when he was in the service. And then, of course, then he went to work for the police department. The Pueblo Police Department on the beat back in the early 70s when downtown was 
That's a, that's when they used to have because um, I used to work. My dad was a cop, but uh-huh, I, okay. I used to work with an old retired cop when I worked out at the reservoir, and he would explain. He said Union Avenue was really bad. Oh yeah, and and how they would walk the beat. They just would do the old check in on the phone every block. Like I'm here, I made it a block. A block. <laughs> yeah, and he was telling me stories. Just oh. and, and you know I'm I'm young. I'm looking at Union. I'm like this is like the nice part of town. He's like it was not like that <laughs> before. No, no. Yeah. and it's really amazing. I, mean, I speak of David Stevenson because he's telling me his story. He got out of the service in the early seventies, and then. He was running from the police, believe it or not. He's running from the <laughs> cops, coming from Canyon City. <laughs> and they, they put a barricade, and they got him stopped and stuff like that. And, of course, they, they got him. And, of course, he, had just got, he was just out of the service and didn't have a job or anything. He said, and then they put him in jail. They said, well, we're going to have you locked up for quite a while because of what you've done. And you're running from the cops and everything. But it was really unique because one of the officers that was kind of in charge of him said, hey, listen, I can get you out of jail if you'll walk the beat downtown Pueblo where you're talking about. And he Mm -hmm. said, he goes, I don't even have a driver's license. He goes, no, we'll get your driver's license back after one year. And once you hit that one year, just walking the beat and stuff. Of course, David Stevens was six foot seven. And Mm -hmm. he he reminded me of Clark Kent is who he reminded me of. And he, he was like, okay, so he ended up doing that and getting his driver's license back like that. And then uh, I was talking to him. And one day he was in the hospital and he asked me to try to smuggle drugs in for him <laughs> so he could go to the bathroom. They would let him take what he wanted to. But anyway, so we went and got stuff. It was a different Walmart. time those days. Yes, yes. So we're talking to him and he, we, we got him taken care of. And I was like, what are you talking? He goes, well, how do you deal with all that pain? Because he's talking about my phantom pain and the pain that I had and how I dealt with it. And I was telling him and he goes, you know, they, they, his kidney was damaged and they said it had a lot of cancer in it. He goes, mm-hmm. He goes, I don't know. And they're like, well, you know, you can live off of one kidney. You don't have to have two kidneys. And then he said, well, I don't know how that's going to work. And he raised up his shirt. He'd already had one kidney removed. Oh, jeez. When he was a police officer, he was actually shot. And uh, two guys that they were robbing in one of the convenience stores. And uh, he was the first person on scene. And he said, when I come out the side of the door, the door is sealed. They just started shooting at him. And he goes, yeah. I, I felt the burning sensation. And it went through him. And I said, well, did you get them? And he goes, I got both of them. I got both of them with one shot. <laughs> but one of them actually made it back to Canyon City before he passed away. The other guy died in the vehicle. And he goes, yeah, I, 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 got, I got both of them. But it's just amazing. His stories were amazing. And he was an amazing man. But when he was talking about his pain, and because I see death a little bit different. Yeah. Because I've been on the other side. And yeah. it is so serene and so beautiful. It, it's hard. It's so peaceful. Mm-hmm. It's like I didn't want to come back. I'm be honest. I didn't want to come back. And uh, but that was a God's thing. God said, "No, you got to get back." So mm-hmm. that aspect of it. When David, you know, they said, "Well, he he did commit suicide," and he put all his papers out in front of him, and and he, he shot himself. But and my aspect of it, he's not in pain anymore because he could have got another kidney, but he said, "I don't want to do that." Tommy goes, "My parents are be taken care of. I'm in, I'm in another thing," and he says. I'd rather that kidney go to someone who could use it. And he mm-hmm. goes, I've had a good life and have done a lot of things in his life. So it's kind of in that aspect. So I said, well, he's at peace now. And that's how I see it. He's yeah. at peace. Yeah. And like I say, I don't see that. It's like even with my former wife who committed suicide, I mean, it's like that's a, you know, that's a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And 
sometimes you've got to get yourself out of that situation. And I always tell people, make sure you call someone. You yeah. need to contact someone. And that has happened with David Stevenson because he had thought about committing suicide well time before, but he was still taking care of his parents. And it was actually a colonel from the military who contacted me through email and said, hey, you need to go talk with David. I think he's he's not in a good place. And so I'd go talk to him and stuff. And he's, he goes, what are you even doing at my house? I said, you know why I'm here. Yeah. I've been told. But that's kind of what we do. And that's what I want to do is talk to people and give them back that hope. And his hope was actually his parents, you know, with his parents. But then once he had his cancer, that's when I think he kind of, yeah, kind of like, you know, kind of gave up on life and was okay with where he might be once he has, you know, had the cancer and stuff and he's going to pass. So that's, that's one of the aspects that we do with the, with the military. And we're just a phone call away. And like I say, we're at classlife.org, C-L-A-S-P-L-I-F-E, just like my shirt, .org, and their phone number's there. You can call at any time. Yes. Um, even the VA, and, you know, I, I'm just like a lot of people. I've been through divorce. I just recently went through a divorce, and I had to take my wife off the benefits because, because I do have benefits through the VA because of things that happened to me while I was in the service, and so I'm a disabled vet, and so... I was on the website looking at my VA stuff to have her removed so because you get an extra $100 a month or something like that's how it works. And uh, I said, well, I better take her off. I'm going to get this big bill saying, hey, you owe us money. Yeah. You got all this money. So I, I get on there, and it had a 1-800 number, and I contacted them. <laughs> I contacted them, and they're like, oh, you're doing okay? Or are you, you're not suicidal, are you? And I'm thinking, I'm just trying to take somebody off <laughs> off of my <laughs> off of my benefits, and they're like, "Oh, but you're okay because we know how hard it is to go through a divorce and things like that." I'm like, "No, I've already been through the divorce aspect. I'm just trying to get this taken care of." But they were really, really punctual and right there because it was like I was like, "No," I said, "That's not what I'm calling for. I'm calling to have this done." And they're like, "Oh well, we'll see if we can't put in touch you in touch with someone else." But finally, I just went here in Pueblo. Yeah. To the office, to the VA, because uh, Adrian was—he's like my person at a point of contact as yeah. far as the VA goes. But uh, anyway, so I did that. But it was like it wasn't even three days. I got a call from Denver from a lady going, "Hey, are you doing okay? Wow, how are you? How are you doing?" With I mean, I was really impressed how the VA was on top of that. Good. In the aspect of I'm okay, and she, so she kind of starts. And she goes, "It sounded a little bit different that we need to contact you because it sounds like you're doing fine." I was like, well, <laughs> "I'm doing fine." I said, "That's not what I contacted yeah, you all for." Yeah. But it was nice that they were that on top of it to be and say, "Hey, we want to make sure your mental state is where it needs to be." And it's just like what you're, you know, to circle back what you were talking about is. I have God in my life, and 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 when I have things, I pray a lot. I do pray, you know, I pray to God. I pray for a lot of different things and it gives you hope and being that way gives you hope and, and the things that's happened through my life people are like well how do you continue on it's like because i have a lot of faith in god and i'm a different person in that aspect i don't have the tragic story you know how i you know did all these things i, I cheated on my wife and i drank and i did all, i don't have that story because god's always been in my life he really yeah. has and it's like i've had people go oh when when did uh, when did you get with God? I'm like, well, when did you find God? And I'm like, I never knew I lost him. <laughs> He's always been there for me. So I said, that's how I see things. And I like, um, but that's one of the things. That's why I have so much hope because I do yeah. believe in God. I think there's a higher power greater than we are, as as well it is. You know, and so that's how I see things. 
And that's why I do what I do. So when I leave, like you asked me about leaving the aircraft, my first jump, it's like, I just pray to God. I say, okay, God, let's do this. <laughs> I'm going out. And it's like, I always tell people because I've had two skydiving accidents and 21 broken bones and all the things that's happened to me. And they're, they're like, uh, well, you believe so much in God and stuff like that. I said, well, yeah. I said, but I think God does that so that I can understand other people. Mm-hmm. And I said, you can't witness it to someone if you haven't lived it. And I've lived through a lot of different things. The only thing that I have with God is I said, man, you got to get some faster angels. Them angels cannot <laughs> keep up. <laughs> they can't keep up with me. So, uh, and as I say, and you know, God, I'm in your hands jumping out of this plane. And God's like, well, you still need to pull the ripcord. <laughs> like, when you get out, like, yeah, you need, that's on you. you. That's yeah, on you. you need to, you need to do what you're supposed to do as yeah. well. So that's how, I, and and I talk with, like I say, veterans and just different people in general, and say that it is my faith that I have that I continue on, and I believe certain things happen for reasons, and I do believe that you can't really talk to somebody about not having a limb if you have all your limbs. Yeah. It's really tough. And to talk to people who went through, had a stroke or, or yeah. an aneurysm, I've had an aneurysm as well when I was younger. And it was like, uh, you can't really relate to them. You yeah. try to, but until you've been there, it's kind of it's kind of difficult. Uh, yeah. Same as uh, why I deal with a lot of times as for suicide, because I've been suicidal before. Yeah. Um, I've been down that path and uh, how I get out of it. And I'll be honest with you, it's usually praying to God to, you know. And he always usually puts somebody in my path that's saying, hey, you know what? There's a lot to live for. There's a lot yeah. out there. Don't give up on it. Just just find a different way to do it and stuff like that. And that's what I always try to, you know, emphasize with different people that I do speak with, whether it's, like I say, veterans is probably one of my big things because I was a veteran and yeah. will always be a veteran, which is kind of weird when you go to the store and they're like, oh, you need to redo your card, you know, to get your discount. <laughs> I'm like, did I not become a veteran or something? Yeah. Or something does something happen? I, I just, I am, I am baffled when they do that. It's you know, like, I didn't expire. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's kind of like uh, when I did this stuff as far as my arm, because I run my nonprofit business because I used to run a computer business as well. And, uh, they would call me up as far as the disability and they were like, oh, you could do this and you can do this. They're telling me what I can do. And I'm like, oh, I can do all those things. And they said, yeah. And I said, well, did my arm grow back or something that I don't know? <laughs> they're like, oh, oh, you don't have an arm? And I was like, no, I don't have an arm. <laughs> so they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. But it's just funny. But it's like, do you actually read yeah. what's going on with yeah. this person so that you might can speak a little bit and relate a little better about <laughs> whom you're talking to? But uh, like I say, that's... That's all sometimes how you're wired. Yeah. And I believe certain people have that gift. I think other people have the same wiring. It's just that they're not sending the signals through those wires. Yeah, I agree. And I you agree. need to you need to rewire yourself. Yeah. And realize it's uh it's not over. There's just find a different way to do it. And that's what I believe and I've done it, you know, ever since I was a kid. I I just don't see things as a negative, I just see it like, okay, that must have happened for a reason. So I just find out what the reason is and, and continue on. And like I say, I enjoy all kinds of things. I still river raft, I skydive, you know, I cliff dive. It doesn't, it just, <laughs> I don't stop. And like I say, running the Tough Mudder, I enjoy doing that kind of thing. And doing it with veterans too, it makes yeah. it fun. Is that, that camaraderie, because we used to always carry the flag with us and stuff like that. And like I say, clasp life, we help just about everybody. We, yeah. It doesn't matter whom it is. Um, 
Amputee Coalition, I deal with a lot of veterans yeah. who've had a lot of different things happen to them or they've had a limb loss. Usually it's, be honest with you, diabetes or something yeah. like that. But I don't want them to give up hope as far as they can still do other things. And I'm going to tell you, some of the prosthetics out there are freaking amazing. Yeah, <laughs> like, I know. Oh, my goodness. I don't wear one because people do ask me that. So why don't you wear a prosthetic? It really just hangs off of me. It's just bulky. Yeah. Um, you can do a lot of different things. Just you just get the mindset, and most of the limbless people that I have that I speak with or that I know, they don't have something hanging off of them. And if they do, it's usually for some other reason than what you think. Um, a lot of times, the the women do. They like to have something on there because yeah. uh, they're they're more for the looks aspect of it. But once they just you know. Get with me, and they're like, how can you just walk around with your arm? <laughs> you have no arm. You just don't seem to care. I said, that's just who I am now. That's just something yeah, I, I yeah. just deal with. And they'll have one. But then they then they end up taking them off. But I uh, did have one, another veteran who he had a arm that it, it's kind of like a shunt, what they call a shut. So he could yank his arm like that, and his arm would pop up. And what he did was he was also a welder, so he welded on there because mm-hmm. it had that little metal hook so he could – he was a fly fisherman. He liked to do fly fishing, and so he could he could do his lures and stuff. Oh, wow. And that's what he used it for. He goes, that's all I use it for. I mean, yeah. otherwise, it's used just to flies. me. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of cool how, how he did that. He adapt, improvise, overcome. Yeah. He goes, yeah, I use it for that. That's just, that's all it's good for because it becomes bulky. But like I say, there's a lot of prosthetics out there, especially yeah. lower limb. I mean, there's just uh, upper limb, a little bit different. Yeah. Well, I, I remember it was um, – Remember the argument, should they allow people that are missing a leg or both legs run in the Olympics because they had an unfair advantage? Yeah, yes. <laughs> that, that's not true. Yeah. <laughs> they don't have an unfair yeah, advantage. I know. I mean, I they're that having always... to compensate for a lot of other that's, things. That's why like... I kind of, when I heard that, I was like, I, they don't have legs. So yeah. um, I wouldn't call that an unfair advantage. Yeah, um, yeah. there's none of them just blowing anybody away. Yeah. The reason you have the, uh, you know, the Paralympic stuff like that yeah. is for yeah. that reason is because you're not going to go in there. You're not going to outrun Bolt. I'm sorry. It ain't yeah, I know. I know. That just cracked me up when I heard that. It just popped in my head. I was like, uh, they really don't have an unfair advantage. Yeah. Um, so you have a book. You brought I, it in. I'm a published author. Um, you can actually get my book. Um, if you contact me directly, which if you just go to classlife.org, you can contact me, and I'll send you a book that is co- that is uh, signed by myself and my co-author, which was uh, Kissy Thompson, just mm-hmm. an amazing lady. She does a lot of stuff for the veterans as well. And because otherwise I wouldn't be able to type that fast. I could always use that as an excuse mm-hmm. is that I miss some arm now, so I can't type that fast. I couldn't type that fast to begin with. Just so you know, <laughs> but I, everybody don't even know that. <laughs> but so uh, anyway, she helped me do the book and that's a whole nother story in itself. And she does a lot of stuff with veterans. Unfortunately, now she has cancer and she's battling cancer oh, no. and uh, just an amazing woman is a master electrician. She's my seamstress. So she would fix all my clothes to mm-hmm redo my parachute suit that I had. She put in there like so we could have like a fake arm in there so I could fly a little bit better. Um so she does all kinds of stuff. And she goes into the veterans' homes and uh sews them stuff and makes oh, stuff wow. for them. She's just an amazing woman as well. And she like I say she's she's dealing with cancer right now herself. And, you know, she's an upbeat person and she of course she finds God and uh, I find a lot of inspiration through her. And I guess she's, as you could say, she finds inspiration through me. It's kind of different and unique how we even met. I in the computer business at the time. And I was really having a hard time because zippers 
are a nightmare with for a one-armed person. They just, I would not have thought about that. They don't work. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, I was trying to find a coat that didn't have zippers. I need I needed buttons or I needed snaps or something. So anyway, she had brought her computer in to be worked on, and I said okay. And so I was telling her, well, I said they were going to charge her like eight hundred dollars where she went to, and I was like, it was like a fifty fifty dollar stick of memory fixed it. Yeah. And I was like, I have to order the memory. But anyway, she came back in, Kissy did, and. uh I was still working on computers. I mean, I went back to work seven days after my accident. I was back in my shop working with just one arm, doing what I could with one arm, learning how to function. And she said, hey, I, I want to bring you something, uh, and if that's okay. And I said, sure. And I thought, oh, my gosh, here comes some more keyboards or some old junky <laughs> stuff. That's what they do with a computer store. And I'm like, okay, well, bring it in. And so she brought in this black bag. When I seen her get out of the car, I was like, oh, black bag. That means <laughs> it's probably going to be something that's messed up. But anyway – she comes in, she goes, I hope you're not offended. You know, I'm here to pick up my computer, but I want to bring you this because it's amazing that you're still working, you're still skydiving, you're still doing everything. And I said, yeah, I've already stopped. And she goes, I want you to have this. And so I pull it out of the bag, and it's a coat that she had made for me. Hmm. And I was like, okay. And so it had snaps. It did have snaps. And I had been looking for a coat that had snaps or something like that. And she goes, put it on. So I put it on. And as I put it on, she had sewed the left sleeve along the side. And she goes, I sewed that sleeve on there. She goes, because I kept getting in my car. And she's realized, she goes, your sleeve would catch if you had that mm-hmm. sleeve out there. She said, I sewed it so it wouldn't do that. And I said, man, that's that's really amazing. And then she, uh, she also went and... Uh, so these sewed the, the the coat just went together like mm-hmm. a clam. It, it went together. I was like, well, that's weird. It all went together, and I just pushed, you know, pushed the button, and it all just went together. And I said, well, that's amazing. I have, she had sewed magnets mm. so that the magnets would pull the coat together, and all oh, wow. I had to do was fasten it. Huh. And then uh, on the right hand side, she goes, if you notice on the right hand side, Tommy, look in your pocket. So I pulled out, and so I pulled out. It had a glove. And I was like, a glove? With one hand putting a glove on yeah, kind of a whole thing. Of course, you do a lot of things with my teeth. Yeah. But anyway, she goes, I, I sewed a hook on there. And it was like a hook for like what you would hang like uh, coffee cups on or mm-hmm. something and on the side of my coat. She goes, hang your there's – there's a hook on your glove. And so I put the glove down there. It hangs on and that. And you can put your hand And I right put in. my hand in and oh, put it in. Oh, that's cool. And, I mean, I literally – I am tearing up because yeah. it was just so thoughtful of what you did. You know, and, of course – you know, I, I had my, my wife at the time. She had did numerous things for me while I was in the hospital. And, and unfortunately, I went through a divorce and got remarried to my other wife. And then I had another accident. She was there for me, too. As, uh, you know, Sandy was there for me on the first accident. And, of course, Kathy was there for me a lot for learning how to learn and walk and talk and do everything else again. But it was just amazing. This was a person just out there and mm-hmm. was so thoughtful and made that for me. And then... That's how she ended up with the book because everybody's like, oh, you need to write a book, Tommy. You need to write a book of all the things that's happened to you and how you're still skydiving. You're still doing everything. And so I was mentioning that to her. She goes, oh, well, Tommy, I'm also an author. I am a writer. And so that's how we ended up getting together. And uh, we spent a lot of time. We wanted to get it out before Christmas because, like, we only charged, like, $10 for the book. It's got a lot of different things in it. And... So we got together, wrote the book, a lot of hours. Took us seven months, and we were doing like three hours, you know, at least two to three times a week getting together, trying to figure out how to book. Because my book's not about really all about skydiving. It's more about my life and things that have happened to me and uh, 
there's a lot of stuff in there that's happened to me throughout my life. And it's like, just not ever giving up, just continue on. Something happens, just find a different way to do it and continue on with life and, and continue enjoying life. And, and that's the thing, having a quality of life, you can still find it. You just have to find it in a different way. And like I said, get around those people who are positive people. And once you find them, you better snag them good because there's yeah. not a lot of them out there that really are proactive and really doing things like that. And it's just like with Kissy, she was that way. And uh, so we did get the book done by by uh, December so we could get it out there. And we've had numerous copies of it. So like I say, if you buy, contact me directly, we'll make sure that you get a copy that's signed by both of us. And then and you can also buy them online if you go to uh, – Barnes and Noble or onto Amazon. Okay. And you can purchase there and, as well. And uh, the name of it is What the Freak Did I Hit? <laughs> True Story of Tragedy and Tenacity by Tommy Ferguson and Kissy Thompson. Yeah. Um, and I know what it's like working for a nonprofit or working with one. So if somebody wants to support you, where can they go? The The best, the easiest way to probably support us is go online to go to Facebook. And, of course, you can also call, contact me through my website itself. Okay. But Facebook has a thing set up. If you go to their Clasp Life, and we're actually on there, and there's a donation button. All you have to do okay. is click it, and it'll pop up. If not, if you go online, there's also a place on there you can hit the donate button, and you can donate through that as well. Um, or you can contact me directly or whomever, however you want to contact me. And uh, we have different people that I also have. Uh, Lisa Hendricks is my marketing manager, which okay. she's a, she's an amazing person as well. So she helps me a lot. Um, that's the easiest way to probably do it. Or And the, the website again, I know you said it earlier, but for the listeners, what's the website? Clasp Life, C-L-A-S-P-L-I-F-E. That's my shirt, Clasp Life. And it's uh, .org or .com. I actually own both of those okay. different ones. So they can go either way there and they can send it like that. And uh, it's like everybody asks me, how do you skydive? Well, this is on my shirt, and it's like what it is is I actually use a carabiner. And the reason I come up with the carabiner is because I used to do a lot of rock climbing Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And while I was skydiving, I kept hitting the ground. I went, man, I'm getting tired of hitting the ground so hard (laughs) because I'm having to hit and roll. And I thought, man, if I could just attach these two steering lines together. I was going to ask that earlier. I can fly this thing with one arm. So that's what I was going to ask if you attach the lines together so there's yep. one to so do it. So there's one, and I can fly, and then at 1,000 feet, I go to the front so I can flare all the way down. Okay. Because you have a riser right here. You mm-hmm. can't flare if there's a riser. So I have to go to the front, but I attach the two carabiners. And uh, – so I come up with that idea. It's just like, oh, man, I could just attach those. And then, of course, I thought, huh, you know what? I use a carabiner. And that's kind of like what that's we have it. the carabiner for. That's security. I've attached them together. And then, of course, we use the aunt for life. And then, of course, the fist itself is, is you know, holding on. And it's also, it's also security and, and stuff like that. And that's why we came up with that. And that's how I skydive is attaching that carabiner. And that way I can flare and slow myself down and land, you know, like I say, I probably hit the ground four times before I come up with that grand idea and say, man, this is getting hard. I felt <laughs> yeah, like I was in the rough. military or something. Yeah. That's how they hit the ground. Where the wind blows them, yep. that's Boom. the speed you're going to hit the ground. Tree, building, truck, field, <laughs> anything. So. Exactly. So that's why we, we kind of come up with the idea. Mm-hmm. And I had different people that helped me out that uh, come up with the logo. And, it's, and it's, it really is what it is. It's continuing with life, clasp on to yeah. life, hold on to life. And still enjoy it and get out and enjoy it. And sometimes, like I say, you don't necessarily have to do it. But if you go out and just watch skydiving, 
it's amazing just to sit out there and watch it. It's amazing to watch people coming and land and do different things. So, but it gets you out doing something, not just staying in your home watching your TV with no hope. Um, yeah. And stay away from mainstream media. <laughs> yes, that's a big. One. They're, they're, we say that a lot on this show. Yeah, actually, they're very negative. Everything yeah. is a negative. I know there's lots of things out there still to do. And still to enjoy your life, and that's what I try to get and really impress upon people to do. And if somebody wants to go skydiving, where you go, where should they go? They should go, actually, you can go online, which is High Sky Adventures Parachute Club. And that's the actual website, and that's what it's called. And uh, just con- go contact them, and then they'll set up a thing. Normally, what we do when we skydive is you want to train on Friday, and then you'll skydive first thing Saturday morning, or you train you know, Saturday night, and then you jump first thing Sunday morning. That way you got a lot of time to think about, oh, my gosh, what am I doing? <laughs> That's what I tell people when they start thinking. I'm like, when I did it for the first time, it was like I trained. I trained in less than two hours mm-hmm. and my first jump and then uh, was on the plane and out the plane. I'm going to tell you, I wasn't at that time. My brain was doing the same thing. As, what am I doing? Yeah. Why am oh, I fixing to jump out of this plane? And, of course, we always hear, oh, why would you jump out a perfectly good aircraft? So I said, man, you ain't seen our aircraft. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, not, it's a little iffy there. <laughs> I might want to go and just jump out. But uh, that's kind of how it is. And, like I say, that's High Sky Adventures Parachute Club. And uh, you can go online and, and do that. It's actually out at Fremont County Airport. Yep. And you are going to be tethered to a line. Now, they do have some that do tandem as well. We also have a tandem instructor out there that does stuff. But most people just jump by themselves. Um, I've jumped both ways. Of course, the first time I jumped, always it was by my, I mean, by myself. I just was yeah. like listening to the radio and like, okay, just, they tell you which way to go. And then uh, the only reason I ever did a tandem was six weeks after my first accident. I just did a tandem because one of the guys, hey, you want to go up on that tandem? I was like, sure. yeah. I still had my my foot was still in a brace and everything because I broke my foot from the previous skydive and I had to pick it. Up. <laughs> and I was like, and they had me all taped up and I had I still had my. Uh, um, all my sling as far as my arm was still in so, that sling. So the doctors look at you and you're like, what are you doing? You're crazy. And then they're like, we're going to make a lot of money off of you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, again, check out Tommy, Class Life, everything he does. If you want to go skydiving, you said they give veterans a 20% discount? They give them a discount as far as how much it costs. So okay. veterans can jump for, I believe, they save about, yeah, it's about 20%. 20, I, yeah, that's yeah, a, it's it's like, okay. It well, either way, there's a discount. I want Exactly. Put any fake sure. news out there on the discount for yeah. them, but just contact them. Okay. The and and um, again, thank you for coming on this this week. Um, you know, it's pretty important to us veterans being the week of September 11th. So I really appreciate it, and I appreciate the message. Um, now for our disclaimer that I always mess up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> making action happen. The, the views and opinions expressed on making action happen are not necessarily the views and opinions of Action 22, its board, or membership. Um, but I think that pretty much everybody would be in agreement with our opinions today. So, oh, yeah, I um, think so. Mm-hmm. Again, our annual meeting is October 5th and 6th. If you want to find out more, go to action22.org. You can email us at show at action22.org with anything, any question, suggestion. If you want to yell at me, go for it. <laughs> um, Sarah will be back next week, so appreciate listening and tuning in. And remember to like, share, comment, all that fun stuff. Oh, yeah. Thanks, guys. And thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Making Action Happen. 
Be sure to join your hosts, Sarah Blackhurst and Brian McCain, for another edition of the show on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week.